stop for a moment and think about all the people you interact with on an average day. I'm not talking about your spouse or coworkers. I'm talking about the people that you pass at the grocery store, the person that picks up that pin you drop at the bank, or the person at the gas station that sells you the beer. Now ask yourself how much you know about that person. My name is Mitch Wheeler, and I'm the host of a new podcast called People in My Neighborhood. I sit down with people from all walks of life, have a drink, and find out all I can. I want to know what they do, if they like their job, the good parts, the bad parts, successes, failures, and how they got there. And then we go through all the same questions about their passions, dreams, and hobbies outside of work to really get to the human in each guest. Available everywhere podcasts are found and stagediverradio.com. Greetings and salutations out there, everybody across the wide and wonderful internet. I am your humble host, as always, Michael Shibley, and you have found another great and glorious edition of Modern Day Gladiators here on the Stage Diver Radio Network. Oh my goodness, it is a beautiful day out here in Knoxville. It is warmed up at least a little bit for one last day here in November. I've got shorts on. I'm in a good mood. Tennessee won in football, even though that was boring. We'll get back to that in a second. And then, of course, we've got college basketball is starting, so we've got some big matchups there that we'll break down and talk all about that. So we've got a whole just slew of glorious stuff to get to here on another huge episode of Modern Day Gladiators. And of course, if you like what you're hearing, please like, download, subscribe, share, comment, all those wonderful things. You can listen to us, of course, on the website, Stage Diver Radio. Excuse me, on stagediverradio.com, where you can, of course, listen to all the other great shows that we've got, including People in My Neighborhood, Deadbeat Radio, One Faller, 60 Minutes, J&B's DLC, which the latest episode of that will be coming out soon, and I am a guest on that one. Of course, Scruffy Little Podcast and Haffle, all of those cool things. You can check all of those out, so stay tuned to that. There's a media player right there, and if you like any of those, including Modern Day Gladiators, you can go wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And check them out there. And of course, again, give us those five star reviews. If you like what you hear, we want to give we want five stars. So if we've earned that, please give it to us and leave some comments and talk to us and interact with us. We want to hear from you there. And of course, you can also check us out again. You can interact with us on stagediverradio.com. Shoot us an email at stagediverradio at gmail.com. And as always, you can hit up the hotline number 865-888-0109. And that'll be a way to get in contact. Leave a comment. If you disagree with any of the stuff I'm talking about here on Modern Day Gladiators, you want to hear me talk about something that you think is important, ask the question. Bring it up. I want to hear about it. And of course, you can interact with me directly at Michael underscore Shibley. That is on Twitter and Instagram. And you can also give a like to the Modern Day Gladiators Facebook page where, of course, we post more articles and videos. And again, I do live updates uh, making my picks for the college football games as well as recapping the Tennessee game after it goes final and offering my thoughts on that. So, of course, we've got all that out of the way. Tim from Analytics and Mitch, our boss, will uh, get off our backs, make sure we've plugged everything. But let's get right into it like we've been doing this whole college football season and break down all the craziness that happened in the world of college football this packed 
past weekend. And now we've started to get to where they've released the college football playoff poll and everything. Here's my top four. Here's what I think it's going to be as the committee releases it again. We are recording this on Tuesday. They are releasing the poll later this evening. So this is just my thoughts, and this is what I think it's going to be. Number one, of course, Alabama after demolishing number three LSU or what used to be number three LSU. Shut them out at home. That was amazing. Clemson doing work. Clemson is dominating opponents as well. Just destroyed Louisville. Remember two years ago when Louisville was good and they had a Heisman caliber, Heisman winning quarterback with them and the game was back and forth with all the great players from Clemson and Lamar Jackson there for Louisville and it was an awesome game. That was not the case uh, this last week, Clemson scored 77 on Louisville, as it looks like uh, the players for the Louisville Cardinals have essentially quit on Bobby Petrino. Meanwhile, number three, I've got Notre Dame. Notre Dame has looked great. They still stay undefeated. And number four, I've got Michigan after the demolishing that they gave to Penn State. That was incredible. And they're playing great football right now. The only reason I don't have them higher is because Notre Dame beat them to start the season. Even though a lot of things have changed, I've still got Michigan in the number four slot. And I've got Georgia at number five. I've got Oklahoma at number six on the outside looking in. But again, just what I mentioned, Clemson is playing just as good as Alabama is right now. And people were always complaining, well, Alabama hadn't played anybody. Clemson, after Texas A&M, really has not played anybody yet they're in the ACC. Yeah, they got uh, sweat and had to pull out a win against Syracuse, but they always seem to do that against Syracuse. And that was right after they had the quarterback controversies. Kelly Bryant left the team and all that other stuff. So you got that, but they've been steamrolling everything since then. They do have a tough one against Boston College coming up. Talk about a little bit more about that in a moment. But everybody's like, ooh, Alabama hadn't played anybody yet until LSU. It's like they've been blowing people out. You guys need to chill about all of that, and I will debunk a huge conspiracy theory. One conspiracy theory, easy for me to say today, one conspiracy theory so ridiculous that you would think it would be one of the conspiracies they have on Haffle, but uh, we'll talk about that in a moment as well. Meanwhile, you look at uh, all these just crazy things going on. The Clemson, their road to playoff, we'll look at it. If they go undefeated, of course, they've got to play Boston College, and their opponent in the ACC championship game could be Pitt at like six and six or something along those lines, the way Pitt's been playing, but that's the way that division ugh, it is an ugly division there in the ACC and Pitt. This is a team that got blown out by Penn state and central Florida earlier in the year. So we'll see what happens with that. But right now, Alabama and Clemson, definitely the top two and Notre Dame and Michigan wrapping up that four. When you look at how everything has shaped up as it transitions here into this final month of the season, you really see that there are eight real games that are going to decide who are the college football playoff teams when you look at how things shake up. There might be one or two more as things shake up and chaos maybe happens, but right now it's looking like it is just these eight games, and we'll start coming up this Saturday, as I've mentioned. Number two, Clemson traveling up to Chestnut Hill to play number 17, Boston College. That's going to be a really interesting game because Boston College has come up. They've been very quiet in what they've been doing, but they are taking care of business. They're taking care of the football. They're running it. They're playing old school, just tough as nails defense, which they've always been playing up there, it seems like, in Boston College. But they've got all the right tools in place right now. 
The problem is I think Clemson is on a roll and I don't think anybody's going to stop them, but this is the biggest roadblock on their way to the championship game at this point, because then if they can get through Boston college, then it's Duke and South Carolina. Plus again, that ACC title game that might be against a mediocre pit team, which might come out of the other ACC division to win that one, the coastal division, I believe. Also, Coming up, you've got Ohio State at Michigan State. That one could be very interesting as well as Ohio State. They just struggled against Nebraska. And Nebraska, you would think that would be something worthwhile, but Nebraska, again, as we have talked on this show, has not been good at all this season. And and this even includes Nebraska making two just colossal faux pas. Their kicker on an onside kick had one job, to kick the ball. And he missed. He duffed it like one of my drives. It was awful. And then they had a play where uh, the quarterback for Nebraska was going and he was trying to throw the ball out of bounds or something, just get rid of it because he was about to get sacked. But he ended up throwing it backwards, which is a fumble. And Ohio State was able to get it. And they were inside the red zone when that happened. So Ohio State pretty much had to hang on against Nebraska at home. So we'll see where their mind is. Michigan State, after the loss to Michigan, has turned things around. They're back to just playing shut-down defense, and this is in East Lansing. So we'll see where Ohio State's head is in this game. But they've got to, of course, win out to give themselves any chance of getting back into the mix right now. And so that's another interesting game happening this Saturday. Meanwhile, November 17th, Notre Dame traveling to Yankee Stadium to play Syracuse. And again, we mentioned Syracuse gave Clemson everything they wanted down there in Clemson. And now Notre Dame, they've been looking great. Having Ian Book there as their quarterback has just been awesome for them. They've really turned things around. Their offense has opened up. But Syracuse, as you know, Dino Babers and that offense, they can put up points. They don't play any defense, though. But if they can cause some turnovers and see what the weather's going to be like there in Yankee Stadium here in mid-November, we'll see how that game shapes up. Moving on to November 23rd, uh, some interesting games here. With uh, Actually, it could be a sequel. We'll see how it shapes up. But Oklahoma travels to West Virginia uh, the day after Thanksgiving there. So they've got to go all the way to Morgantown. And again, if these two teams have just one loss in West Virginia, again, great game against Texas with that rally and just a uh, a great uh, pass there by Greer to get the touchdown. And then uh, they decide, hey, screw it. We're going for the win. Dana Holgerson just is like, you want to win? Let's go for the win. They call it and actually get the two-point conversion twice because once Texas had called timeout on the pass of stills and then Greer decided to keep it on a quarterback draw and actually get the two-point conversion. So that was pretty awesome. And Oklahoma, again, in another shootout like they always seem to have with Texas Tech, they survived that. They both still have one loss. None of them playing defense right now, as it seems the case in the Big 12, which is why a lot of teams here in the ACC, especially top guys, like Alabama, they're not going to respect anybody from the Big 12 until they learn to play some defense, which is part of the reason why Georgia was able to come all the way back against Oklahoma in that Rose Bowl last year was because the Big 12 just doesn't seem to play defense. Even the top teams don't right now. So that's what they need to work on. But when these two guys play each other November 23rd, then if they're both the two top two teams in the Big 12, then they're going to play each other again on December 1st in the Big 12 championship game in Jerry's world, which could be really interesting because it could help somebody if, say, Oklahoma wins in Morgantown and then they go on to win again the next week, that could help them. But, say, West Virginia wins 
the first one. And then it comes back to bite them when they lose in the championship game to Oklahoma because they they split it. That's not going to be good. At that point, I don't think the Big 12 is going to get a champion. Uh, their champion is going to be able to play in the college football championship, depending on what happens there. November 24th, it is the rivalry game there in the Big Ten, Michigan at Ohio State. This is one Michigan has been on this awesome revenge tour, and they are blowing these guys out. They beat the crap out of Wisconsin, they beat the crap out of Michigan State, and they just beat the crap out of Penn State. And that's great, but you got to beat your rival. You have got to beat Ohio State. That is the one thing really right now preventing Michigan from getting to the college football playoff, I think, at this point, is the fact that they haven't beaten Ohio State in a long time. That's why they brought Harbaugh in, and he has not beaten them yet. He's come close, but he has not beaten them. If they can beat Ohio State, even if Ohio State loses at Michigan State coming up, it's still a big deal, and Ohio State has that thing. It's just like the Tennessee-Florida rivalry, where there was a times a few years ago where... Tennessee should have beaten Florida a couple more times than they have, but they haven't because Florida just seems to be in their head that they're just going to win this game. And that's what's going on. If Michigan can beat their rivals, I'll start to take them seriously because they've got the defense. Shea Patterson has come into his own as a really good quarterback there. So they've got all the tools, but they've got to beat Ohio State. That's the big one to look at there. And then... If they do, they're going to probably advance to play Northwestern, it looks like, in the title game, who gave Notre Dame everything they wanted. I'll say they were in it in the fourth quarter with Notre Dame, but I don't know what's going to happen there. Again, the Big Ten West is a joke at this point. It is a mess. I picked Wisconsin. I thought they were going to be a lot better than they've been all season long. I was very wrong about that, and I will be the first to admit how wrong I was. So kudos to anybody who had Northwestern winning uh, the... (laughs) (laughs) the Big Ten West, probably Michael Wilbon and Mike Greenberg from ESPN. They're probably about the only ones who picked that one. They are the alums there. Also on November 24th, the battle for the Jewel Shillelagh, Notre Dame at USC. That could also be a big one. I think Syracuse is a bigger threat than USC is, but USC has spoiled some Notre Dame seasons over the years. Just go back in the history books and look at that. And USC still has talent there. It's in Los Angeles. Notre Dame has been crisscrossing the country on all of these games, so that's been a big thing for them. And again, no conference championship title game for Notre Dame, so they're going to have this game as the last one to make an impression while everybody else is playing one extra game to get into the playoff. And then, of course, December 1st, we already mentioned the Big 12 championship game, but then Alabama versus Georgia. They both clinched their spots. This is the earliest we've had teams the SEC championship game set but congratulations to Alabama and Georgia for winning their divisions I know though they are wanting much more than just being division champions it's going to be a rematch of course of the championship game from last year and this will be fun it'll be great to see can Alabama just now get in with a loss if they lose in this SEC championship game are they going to get in I think they are because I think they're going to run the table and finish undefeated Tonga Vailoa has shown, yeah, he showed some maybe weaknesses here against LSU where the fact that, you know, they didn't score on the first possession for the first time all season and he threw an interception and, you know, his knee might be bothering him a little bit. Yeah, those things, but they're still blowing people out. They still beat LSU 29 to nothing. So 
just remember that when you think, oh, maybe some things have happened. But the big question could be, if all these teams finish undefeated, like say Clemson, uh, Alabama, and Notre Dame all finish undefeated and Michigan runs a table and beats Ohio State, but then Georgia comes in, say at the end, and beats Alabama in the SEC championship game. Who do you drop at that point? Because Georgia, again, they beat the team that has been blowing everybody out. That's big questions, and we, of course, will discuss that at length here on Modern Day Gladiators. But those are just some of the games to look forward to. What about some of the other teams left over? Washington State, they're ranked eighth right now. They need a lot of chaos to get in because, again, they've got at Colorado, Arizona, and and Washington – uh, there and that's it. They did not have a very good non-conference schedule at all. So, th- it, and also you talk about that that those aren't really strong opponents. Washington really the only real tough opponent there in that rivalry game. And then whoever wins the terrible Pac-12 South here, look at this. The Pac-12 South is god awful at this point. Utah, USC, Arizona, and Arizona State all tied for first with three losses in conference. And then Colorado and UCLA could still win it with four losses if the right things fall the right way. So it's not looking good for Washington State, even if they do run the table. But a Rose Bowl would be a great consolation prize for what Mike Leach has been able to do with those guys out there on the Palouse. They've had a great season. Also, Central Florida, they keep talking. The win streak has continued. But they did give up 670 yards and 40 points to Temple. And Temple's not the Temple of a few years ago when they were just absolutely awful. Temple's a pretty solid team, but you should be taking care of business and not having to outscore Temple to impress these pollsters and get into the playoff. Again, if there was an 18 playoff, I'd say put Central Florida in, but right now they are in no position to challenge there. If some of these teams lose in the next couple of weeks, we can talk if UCF keeps winning, but I don't see that. Uh, One of the other weird things happening in college football was James Carville was on ESPN College Game Day as they had uh, special guests and everything as they were down there in LSU. James Carville, of course, a big LSU homer, as he likes to say. Again, for those of you who don't know, he's a very big uh, Democratic political pundit and all that stuff. But he was wearing essentially a shirt that uh, said the SEC sucks and SEC Commissioner James Sankey can kiss his behind, Uh, but it was in the French and Cajun on his sweater. He's essentially claiming, and again, this is a conspiracy that Haffle should dissect at this point. I give it to those guys uh, to listen, but essentially saying there's a conspiracy by the SEC to benefit Alabama, as, of course, LSU's Devin White was suspended for targeting in a questionable hit Uh, against Mississippi State, so he wasn't allowed to play in the first half. Meanwhile, uh, he's claiming that many of the other top defensive players from some of the other schools, including Tennessee and Missouri, were out and couldn't play against Bama. Here's what you need to look at. This is stupid. This is a conspiracy I don't buy anything at at this point. Alabama has beaten everyone on their schedule by 22 points or more. So they haven't needed anybody's help. At this point, Alabama is the best team in the SEC right now, top to bottom. Georgia will give them a great game, I think, in the SEC title game because they always seem to have a great game between the two of them. But right now, Alabama's by far the best team. They've destroyed everybody on their schedule. And really, wouldn't the SEC benefit more with Georgia also in the playoff? Because then you'd have the two SEC teams in the playoff again. That would benefit them more. So... 
I don't know. There's this whole thing about moving the SEC offices out of Birmingham. I think that's ridiculous. There's no mass conspiracy. It's the same thing being here in Knoxville that all of those Tennessee fans kept harping for years that there was an ESPN conspiracy against Tennessee. It's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. I'm going to go up on Halfle one of these days or have the Halfle boys back here on Modern Day Gladiators and discuss some of these conspiracy theories. But this is stupid. I should get there intro playing while we talked about this, but I'm not. So you can listen. If you want to hear some real conspiracies, listen, of course, to Haffle uh, here on the Stage Diver radio network. But the sports ones, stupid, and I don't believe them at all. And people just need to, instead of complaining and whining about a conspiracy theory and being conspiracy victims, go out and get better players and beat Alabama on the field. That would work better. Speaking of a team that gave it their best and could not come anywhere near Alabama, the Tennessee Vols, my beloved Vols, they beat Charlotte, the 49ers, the Charlotte 49ers on homecoming, which is great. Hey, we've got four wins now, which we match last season's win total, which is depressing. But we only won 14 to 3. The offense was abysmal. All of our points were scored in the first quarter, and one of those was on a Callaway punt return. That was a thing of beauty. Callaway did that the punter terrible rugby punt to the wrong side of the field and it let the Tennessee Vols special team just set up a wall and run right through it and Garantano looked great on the touchdown drive but after that the offense we couldn't run the ball at all it continues just to be a mess there it's been bad and again yes I know Charlotte technically has the sixth best rushing defense in the country but the level of people they played Tennessee has better talent all up and down the field and all up and down the roster. Really, when you look at everything, the defense for the Vols played great. Kyle Phillips, the senior, still showing how much he really cares. And that defensive line, I thought, did a really good job of shutting Charlotte down, especially in the second half. I thought they did a wonderful job there, causing turnovers, fourth down stops, holding them to only a field goal, which I thought was big because the offense couldn't do diddly squat. So... We'll see as this heads into Tennessee playing. We've got Kentucky up next, and it's a 3.30 game on the SEC Network, and we'll see where Kentucky's head's at after just getting blown out and dominated in every facet of the game by Georgia. We'll see where it's at. I still probably think Kentucky's got more talent than Tennessee does, and this isn't even basketball. This is in football. So we'll see. I'm With the Vols and the way the offense is going, I've become very cynical with this. But again... If we can win two out of the last three, we go to a bowl game, and they're all winnable. I just don't think it's going to happen. We'll just have to see. Drew Locke in Missouri beat the tar out of Florida in Florida. And again, where's Florida's head at after being beaten down by Georgia? Again, noticing a trend there. We'll just have to see where they are at as well. But, again, they're all winnable games, and who knows with Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's beaten us four out of the last six years, which, again, embarrassing. Should not be happening to Tennessee. But it is, and we've got to do it. We could win all three of these games. We can also lose all three of these games and have another eight-loss season. And we hadn't had any in the entire history of the program. But we'll see what happens there. Something to look forward to and be thoroughly excited about, though, here on Rocky Top is college basketball season finally gets underway tonight. And it starts out in a big, big way nationally. Despite all the stuff with the pay-for-play trials and all the fraud thing with the NCAA is just delay, delay, delay. There's been no consequences for any of it. I don't care about that. 
at least when it comes to the games. I'm still going to want to sit back and watch some great games. We've got the State Farms Champions Classic in Indianapolis tonight as I record this, so I'm looking forward to these. These should be hopefully great games as you listen to these. Hopefully I was correct in that uh, prognostication. Kansas, number one in the country versus Michigan State, and they are number 10. And then you've got the number four, Duke, with Zion Williamson and their huge recruiting class against the number two, Kentucky Wildcats, as Kentucky is their usual big-time selves. You've got all that happening. Meanwhile, the Vols, and again, they are looking to repeat and prove that last year was not a fluke. They're going to see if they can again be SEC champions, maybe even win the tournament for the first time since 1979. That would be really awesome to see. They are starting out uh, playing Division II, Lenore, Lenore Rhine. Uh, but again, Tennessee, they've got great stuff going. They're ranked number six in the preseason polls. And Joe Lenardi, of course, comes out with his bracketology. Uh, starting the year, he has Tennessee as a number two seed, which I'm uh, completely fine with. And again, I would love to see Tennessee make a big run and see if they can repeat as SEC champions. That would be wonderful to see. I'm really looking forward to this team. I fell in love with this team last year. Just all these guys, they're great. And so many of them coming back. All five starters are coming back. Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield leading the way. Meanwhile, the sixth man of the year coming off the bench, Lamonte Turner's back, including Joden Borden, uh, Joden Bowden, uh, Jordan Bone, Kyle Alexander, I think if he can really improve, he could be huge. Eve Pond, Eve Ponds from France is just just a, a just a big ball of clay that you can mold into something awesome. He's got the athleticism to do amazing things. Now can he just refine it? That would be great to see. Of course, Fulkerson and all these guys. I'm just excited to see all these guys coming back. Many games of uh, Settlers of Gatan to be played. Looking forward to all of that. But the schedule is not an easy one. Yeah, you got D2 Lenore, Division 2 Lenore Ryan to start with, but then it's going to start getting hot and heavy as we've got the uh, NIT preseason tip-off there in New York. You start with Louisville, who has been rebuilding. They should still be a very tough out for Tennessee. And then, depending on who wins in the other game between Kansas and Marquette, we could be playing number one Kansas in that game. And then you've got Gonzaga, who's preseason number three. And then we start again. I'm very happy to have it. Hate the team, but I'm very happy that the rivalry is back as we travel back across the state to Memphis, the Battle of I-40, as Tennessee takes on the Memphis Tigers again. They put a kibosh on that rivalry, which made me really sad. I love having these kind of rivalries, especially in state like that, as Memphis is looking to rebuild. They've got Penny Hardaway, the former Memphis standout and uh, former, of course, player. Everybody remembers him with uh, Shaq back with the Orlando Magic. He was a really great player, but he has done very well coaching state champions there in Memphis. And really, all he's got to do is recruit Memphis. If he can recruit Memphis, he's going to have a top 25 program there for years to come, which is what I think Penny Hardaway can do. So very excited to have that rivalry back in college basketball between Tennessee and Memphis and hopefully the Vols can make a run and get uh, get at least to the Sweet 16, maybe to the Elite Eight. We've only been to the Elite Eight once, and again, we ran in, you know, to Sister Jean and Loyola Chicago and the Ramblers and all that Cinderella run that they had last year, but it was a great season for the Vols. Last season, winning the SEC Championship, 
Now, let's see if we can make it even better this season. I'm excited and terrified all at the same time because we're not going to sneak up on anybody this time. But that's going to take us to break. I'm glad you guys are with us here on Modern Day Gladiators. Again, you're listening to the Modern Day Gladiators podcast here on the Stage Diver Radio Network. Hey guys, this is Jay Kendrick. And I'm Biggie. And we're here today to talk to you about a new video game podcast coming to Stage Diver Radio Network entitled J&B's DLC. So has this ever happened to you while you're playing a video game? Get good, noob. Your mom looks like Sean Connery and I'd still banger get wrecked. Well, you're in luck because we have a podcast by gamers. For gamers. Every other Monday, everywhere podcasts can be found and at stagediverradio.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for hanging out with us here again on another glorious edition of Modern Day Gladiators. It is time to hit up everything else going on in the world of sports that you might have missed. It is time to hit up Shibbles and Bits. Leading off like we always seem to do here on the first block of Shibbles and Bits, it's the NFL action that has happened over the weekend. The Saints and Rams, or the seat, the, wow, I cannot talk today. The Saints and the uh, Los Angeles Rams undefeated season. That was a great game. I definitely want to watch them again in the playoffs. That would be a great NFC championship game if the seating works out the right way. Meanwhile, the same with the Chiefs and the Patriots in the AFC. They are just both winning and dominating, it seems like, in every facet. Everybody, again, was willing to uh, and ready to just dump all that dirt on the Patriots after the 1-2 and two start, but I'm never going to shovel dirt onto the Patriots until either Tom Brady or Bill Belichick is gone or they just miss the playoffs with those guys involved. That's pretty much the only way I'm going to put dirt on the Patriots at this point, and I've got to wait until they are mathematically eliminated for that to happen. Meanwhile, the Chiefs just continue to keep winning as well. They are looking awesome. I would love to see it be Chiefs v. Patriots in the AFC title game. That would be awesome. A couple of other teams to keep the lookout for. Uh, The Chargers in the AFC, they just keep winning. The Panthers in the NFC, they keep winning as well. They're just playing solid, great football, and just finding ways to win. That is awesome to see. Meanwhile, the Steelers, they keep winning. They're another team as always to look out for, but again, since they're one of the most recognizable and notorious franchises in the NFL, I'm not too worried about them being in trouble. And they're doing all this winning despite Le'Veon Bell still not reporting to the team. He held out because he was upset about being franchise tagged again and wanted to hold out for more money. He has until next Tuesday. So we'll find out a lot more about that next week on Modern Day Gladiators. We'll talk if he shows up. Uh, but he's been forfeiting his game checks uh, these all these weeks. We're waiting to see what he's going to do. He's only got $5 million left on a uh, from the season where he was going to get paid $14.5 million, but he was holding out for more money because he thinks, you know, he's has too much value that they're not paying him enough. 
and everything with the way the offense is going. But when you look at it, James Conner, the guy who has been in his place there and replaced him, his backup essentially, he has outperformed what Bell did in 2017. Uh, right now, James Conner's got 706 yards, nine touchdowns, and he's only getting paid about $800,000. So he's doing pretty well for himself now that the Steelers' offense has woken back up and Antonio Brown's gotten back in the offense and Ben Roethlisberger is looking cool, calm, and collected back there like he always does. Meanwhile, the Cowboys, they fell to 3-5, and five, losing to the Titans on Monday Night Football. Still, as the most valuable franchise in America based on what Forbes magazine has been saying for years, it's amazing how the value of them is still just keeps going up, but they're still irrelevant. (laughs) Really, when you look at it, they haven't been to an NFC title game in forever. I mean, what was the last Super Bowl the Cowboys won? Super Bowl 30, I think. They haven't been to an NFC title game since then, let alone the Super Bowl. And they've had just all these just lousy coaches They've had Jason Garrett there forever, and they just, they've gotten a couple of playoff wins. But other than that, it hasn't been much. So, what do you do if you, I mean, honestly, the big thing for me is to get rid of Jerry Jones as the general manager. And I just like him to be a lot more, you know, keep his hands off of things, stop meddling with stuff. But that's not who Jerry Jones is. But at this point, it might be time to get rid of Jason Garrett. It's a mess there, and the Cowboys are irrelevant. Wow, I can't talk again today. I apologize out there, ladies and gentlemen. But, hey, I don't like the Cowboys. I'm a 49ers fan, and they look great beating the tar out of the Raiders on Thursday night football. So the longer the Cowboys are terrible, the happier I am. So keep up the good work, guys, really. Stay irrelevant and mediocre this whole time. That'd be great. Uh... Also in the NFL, last Monday night, this story came out. We posted this story on our Facebook page, but I wanted to talk about it here. Several Bills fans uh, during a home game versus the Patriots uh, decided to lob sex toys onto the field. Uh, so that was an interesting image to see on the TV cameras. Uh, one of one of the uh, fans, a Florida man named Michael Abdallah, he was found out because he was the one who threw it in the end zone where the cameras really caught it. And he was arrested for the act and charged with disorderly conduct. Again, can can we not just be there and have a couple beers and just have a good time and cheer for the home team at the game? No, we got to resort to fighting and throwing beer in fans' faces and throwing sex toys onto the field. Again, I'm going to keep saying this. We need to bring the stocks back as a punishment. Bring the stocks back. Punish these guys. Don't worry about tying them up in court costs and everything. Just say, nope, you're going to sit for two days. We're going to make sure you go to the bathroom, make sure you have plenty of food, and make sure nobody throws rotten tomatoes at you for too long so we'll have guards out there. I'm sure that costs a lot less than putting them in jail or fining them and just saves the taxpayers, I think, a lot of money if you did that and just publicly shame some of these idiots for a little while. I think that would uh, solve a lot of the problems. Speaking of publicly shaming... The United States Olympic Committee now looks to revoke USA Gymnastics as the national governing body for the sport of gymnastics at the Olympic level. All of this stemming from what we've talked about, if you've listened to my podcasts, from the Larry Nassar Nassar scandal. Uh, U.S. Olympic Committee CEO Sarah uh, Hirschland, in an open letter, uh, told every gymnast that got the letter, said, you deserve better. And that's the big thing. I mean, you look at all the members from the USA Gymnastics board has resigned. They keep trying to find all these presidents, but they keep having ties 
to either Larry Nasser or saying things that they shouldn't. I've said for a long time, burn it down, and they might be burning it down at this point. And again, they're responsible for so many gymnasts and everything, but at this point, burn it down. Start up. Let let the gymnasts run it. I've been saying that before. Let Allie Raceman and Simone Biles and some of these other girls just run it themselves and you know find some people there who are very knowledgeable of it and just get them coming from outside of usa gymnastics you can do this get a business guy who understands organization and then let some people who know the things about gymnastics hire some people under him like that or her and work from there it doesn't seem that difficult especially if you just burn it down and start from scratch but the talent, of course, is still there because Simone Biles still totally reeks of awesomeness. She went out and wrapped up world championships at the uh, World Gymnastics Championships. Six medals for Simone Biles. That gives her golds in the team final, the individual all around, the floor and the vault. She got a silver on uneven bars and the bronze on the balance beam. First woman to medal in all four individual events at the World Championships since... Uh, Let's see if I can pronounce this correct. Yelena Slushinova. Wow, I apologize. Yelena Slushinova from the USSR from back in 1987. Uh, also now she's got 20 total overall world championship medals. And that ties her with Slet... Slet... Ah... <laughs> I think I have lost it, ladies and gentlemen. I think my tongue has officially fallen out of my head. Svetlana Korkina uh, for the most all-around medals at 20. And she, Simone Biles with 13 golds is the most golds by anybody at the World Championships. Oh, and she did all of it this year while battling a kidney stone. So there you go. Well, you're complaining about maybe your back's a little sore or, you know, you may be you're too tired. She's got a kidney stone in there. My dad and some of my other relatives get kidney stones and they're no laughing matter. Now, yes, once they get, you know, in a certain spot and they're not moving, they don't hurt as much. But again, it was too big to remove. She's too big for her to pass, but she couldn't take any pain medication for it because of all the doping regulations that they have in gymnastics events. So she just had to deal with the pain. She's going to get it taken care of now, but congratulations to Simone Biles kicking butt, taking names all while battling a kidney stone. So kudos to you. Can't wait for you in the next Olympic games coming up. Meanwhile, in the world of golf, golfer Bryson DeChambeau, he's going to take advantage of a new rule starting in 2019. What that does is it allows putts from the green, now you can leave the flag stick in. For those of you who don't play golf, usually when the ball is on the green, you have to take the flag stick out because if you hit it when you putt from the green, it's a two-stroke penalty. So they have put this rule in along with some others to speed up play, mostly for, of course, just the average hacks who go out there on your municipal courses and just kind of hurry play along. But they're leaving it in for PGA and the Royal and Ancient Clubs. Uh, You can punt. It's been one of these arguments where we don't really know if it benefits for leaving the ball in. Uh, But Bryson, again, he is a four-time PGA champion. Uh, He's won four times on tour. He's one of these guys who really is known for his scientific approach. He's got a bunch of data guys and different things trying to do things scientifically to improve his game. 
and he's thinking he leaving it in will help him. And even if he, you know, maybe hits the ball too hard, it bounces off the stick. It's not going to go 12 feet past the hole. It might only go three feet past the hole. Uh, the only one he's not going to do this for is the U.S. Open because he says, again, they use a different material for the pin. So that's going to be something interesting. We'll see how many other golfers use this new change in the rules to maybe leave the flag stick in while they're putting. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see and something, of course, we will talk about more uh, as the new golf season gets underway in the new year in 2019. Back to college real quick. The women's NCAA soccer bracket has been revealed. Uh, your number one seed, Stanford, Florida State, Georgetown, and of course, perennial champion, North Carolina. Your number two seeds, West Virginia, Baylor, UCLA, and your Tennessee Lady Vols. They are the number two seed in there, they are. Uh, they had an overall record this year of 13, 2, and 3, so a really good season for them. Uh, the Lady Vols are going to play Louisville on a Friday at 5 o'clock. And if you live here in Knoxville, you can check that out at the Regal Soccer Stadium. So get your tickets for that and cheer on the Lady Vols. They got one of the best jerseys. I'm, I'm not, I used to be a big jersey guy. Anybody who knew me back in college and in high school, I used to wear jerseys all the time. I kind of, just grew out of that but you know i like soccer jerseys because they're more like t-shirts but the lady balls have essentially it's on the front of the soccer jersey it's just the Nealon checkerboard it's the orange and white checkerboard and i've looked they don't have that at the vol shop they don't have it at any of the other stores around town i want to get my hands on one of those jerseys if anybody's listening in the athletic department and can hook me up with one of those i would love it i would pay good money for that that is an awesome jersey and i would wear that with pride because that is an awesome shirt and i would wear that to many ut games and cheer on my balls with that one but uh anyway good luck to the lady balls and we'll see how far they can go here in the ncaa soccer championships meanwhile as we always like to try and end on a very awesome note here on uh, Modern Day Gladiators, the, at least end the Shibbles and Bits segment, I got to talk about this. This was a really, really cool story to see. This happened in Division II football. And we, when you look at it, it's just really... It's an amazing story. Anyway, <laughs> East Stroudsburg University, it's a small D2 school in Pennsylvania... Uh, the coach there is Danny Dowds, and he went out on his own terms. You talk about a guy who did it his way. This was great. He coached there for 45 seasons, and what he did was he entered Saturday. He was the active NCAA leader in career wins, 264 wins. That's 16th all-time, and um, what he did was he called a timeout at, right at the end of the game. His team is down. Uh, they really can't come back and win at all. It was the team's fourth, though, which, again, you only get three and a half. And that should have drawn a penalty. But he told the official nearby, this is what he told the official. I nudged the official in front of me and said, Sir, we're going to call fourth, uh, fourth timeout. I know it's illegal. You're going to penalize it, but that's okay. I'm retiring. I called timeout with four seconds to go, blew the whistle. The kids came in. I told them, this is what we're doing. And then he said... He didn't want the plan to retire. He'd been there 45 seasons. He didn't want it to become a distraction, so he waited until the last second. So he told his team. They all clapped and patted him on the back. He shook the other coach's hands, and he didn't want to make it public. He just did it his way. He walked out as the game ended. The uh, time counted down, 
and he walked to his car. He said, I told my wife when I leave the stadium, I'm going to tip my hat and say I love you. And he tipped, I tipped my hat, walked to the car, and smiled all the way home. That's a way to go out. Dowds, you did it your way. We all wish we could retire and go out like that, just on your own terms and make it happy. Man, he's been there 53 seasons, 45 as his head coach. Again, 264 wins, 16th all-time in all divisions in the NCAA. It looks like what they've said here is he's going to still be in a role in the athletic department, so he's going to stay with the school and also continue being a professor of sporting management there with the school. But we wish him all the best in his future endeavors and a great way to retire. I love it. Probably one of my favorite stories there. But that's going to wrap up Shibbles and Bits. Thank you guys again for listening there as we fade the Pink Panther away. (laughs) Always love the Pink Panther. We'll always love it. But let's get into the arena because, again, this might be modern-day gladiators, but I still am the man in the arena, Michael Shibley, your host here. Let's talk wrestling real quick. Crown Jewel did happen. And, again, as I mentioned last week, I did not watch it. Uh, I still read on what happened, obviously, because i got to keep up with these things so I can tell all you beautiful people what's going on in the world of wrestling. And a lot of it's just, I think the WWE at this point is just trolling their fans, really, at this point, because they had a chance to create a new star in Braun Strowman. They should have done this last year when the iron was really hot with Braun Strowman. Uh, but instead, Brock Lesnar beat him, pretty much squashed him, yes, you know, Corbin hit him in the back with the title belt before the match started, but that still doesn't matter. Brock Lesnar, back being champion, a guy who shouldn't be anywhere near the title picture anymore. He should be just a special attraction and show up when he feels like it. He shouldn't be champion at all because he's never there. Grant, he wasn't even there on Raw on Monday when they were in England. So, again, it's frustrating to see. It's annoying and... He's champ again. We're back where we started. He's going to be facing AJ Styles, which, again, should be a very entertaining match at Survivor Series, but no titles on the line in that one. Meanwhile, they had the the World Cup tournament to crown the best in the world, and the end between Miz and Dolph Ziggler in the finals, which was interesting because he had two heels there, but then the Miz looked like he, quote-unquote, injured himself, and that allowed Shane McMahon, who wasn't listed in the tournament, to beat Dolph Ziggler in about three minutes to win and become the best in the world. I'm not as annoyed about that as I am Brock being champion again, mostly because it's going to be forgotten after Survivor Series, or at least I hope so, because, yes, Stephanie's going to come back and complain and tell Shane to wipe that look off your face, and then we're going to have Raw versus SmackDown at Survivor Series and all that other stuff. So still annoying. DX and the Brothers of Destruction, they fought. I really didn't, from what I read, not a great match at all. I mean, again, all these guys are way up there in years, so the fact that they were able to go out and perform at all was a testament to their great ability. But it was just, again, not just a good show. It was mostly a standard house show with a couple of special attractions. That's pretty much what all these matches had. Again, the WWE never mentioned where they were the whole time, which I thought was just, the way they could save face. Again, John Cena was not involved in this. Daniel Bryan did not come as well. He was, of course, supposed to face AJ Styles for a championship match there at Crown Jewel, but again, they had their title match uh, Tuesday on SmackDown, 
So we had all that kind of stuff happen. Triple H ended up with a torn pectoral muscle, so he's got to have surgery. We'll see if he's going to be involved in WrestleMania at all. Uh, so that's all that happened. The big thing that happened on Raw last night, of course, they're starting the quick road to Survivor Series because it's in two weeks. Man, I'm just so tired of all of these events just coming back to back to back like this. It's exhausting. They're, the writers are stressed out enough as it is. They didn't have anything original last night on Raw. The only cool thing that happened was Seth Rollins had to defend the tag team championships by himself because he won the titles with Dean Ambrose and Dean turned on him. So he faced the Authors of Pain. He fought valiantly, but the Authors of Pain are new uh, Raw Tag Team Champions, which I think is interesting. That'll be cool to watch and see where they go with that. At least they give these guys something, two big hulking guys, uh, the Tag Team titles. So at least should bring maybe some interest back to the Raw Tag Team division. Meanwhile, the event I enjoyed a whole lot more than reading about what happened at Crown Jewel was the New Japan Power Struggle event, which was the last big event they have before the January 4th event at Wrestle Kingdom in the Tokyo Dome. Uh, Chris Jericho made Evil tap out uh, to retain his Intercontinental Championship uh, in the walls of Jericho. Then Tetsuya Naito uh, challenged Chris uh, Jericho for the Intercontinental Championship at Wrestle Kingdom. It looks like Tetsuya Tetsu Unido has been shown, you know, he wins the title and doesn't care about it. He throws it, doesn't even show up with the belt, but it seems like now he cares. Maybe we'll see how that goes leading up. So you've got at Wrestle Kingdom, here are the big matches so far. You've got uh, Kazusuke Okada taking on Switchblade Jay White in a just a huge grudge match. No titles on the line, just a big grudge match there at Wrestle Kingdom. You've also got, of course, Jericho versus Naito for the Intercontinental title in New Japan. Uh, you've got the junior heavyweight championship on the line as Kushida takes on Taiji Ichimori. That should be a really exciting match to watch. And of course, the main event for the IWGP heavyweight championship, Kenny Omega versus Hiroshi Tanahashi, the ace of the universe, the once-in-a-lifetime talent, Hiroshi Tanahashi, essentially the John Cena of New Japan with more edge and actually you know, has a little bit more character development, but that's beside the point. Uh, against, of course, Kenny Omega, the best bout machine, the best in the world right now. So that should be fun. Of course, we'll talk about that as we get to Wrestle Kingdom. I will break all of that down there January 4th in the Tokyo Dome. Looking forward to that. But that's going to wrap it up here. Another awesome episode of Modern Day Gladiators. Appreciate you guys hanging with me. And again, of course, like, subscribe, share wherever you get this podcast. Give us those five-star reviews if we've earned it. I want to make this the best it can. Comment. Anywhere, call the hotline, hit the email address, any of that stuff, please let me know. I want to improve this podcast and make it the best in the world at what I do, and I can't do it without you guys. Give me that help. I want it. I want that feedback and just notes and everything, so please let me know. But until then, I am Michael Shibley. I love you guys. Too sweet. I'm out. I will see you next time. Mm-hmm.